Rivers Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. Thank you everyone that took part in worship this morning. We are blessed to have many different styles, many different talents. It's good to be up here this morning as we continue our series in Colossians, Keystone Theology. Or we could say the keys of understanding theology that the right, you're good, the right view of theology so that we can correctly view God and the church. Pastor Matt kicked us off last week with contagious hope and growth. And that we need to be contagious about spreading the good news of the gospel in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, uh, Lord, we just thank you that we could come here and hear your word. Uh, Lord, thank you that uh, your word is truth. And I just hope you reveal that truth to us this morning. And I pray this in Jesus' name. What you're going to see up here on the screen is a picture of the B-1B Lancer, also known as the B-1 Bomber, and this strange guy that they let in there. This is the Air and Space Museum right outside the gate of Ellsworth Air, ba Air Force Base in South Dakota. It's where my son-in-law is stationed along with my daughter and my two granddaughters. My, my son-in-law, Toby, is a, a, a crew chief on one of these things. It's funny, I have one son-in-law that fixes military aircraft, and I had another son-in-law that used to jump out of them. I'm a blessed man. But let me tell you some really cool facts about this bad boy right here. It has four General Electric, General Electric engines with afterburners. It puts out about 30,000 pounds of thrust with each engine. Its top speed is Mach 1.25 which I had to look up how fast that was in miles per hour. That's about 975 miles an hour, which is crazy because that's about 200 miles an hour faster than the speed of sound. Once these things get off into the air, because it takes about 30 to 40% of their fuel to just get off the ground, they get in the air and they get refueled and they have a range of about 5,000 miles. It's payload. It has six external points that can hold about 50,000 pounds of small ordnance or bombs. It has three internal bays that can hold up about 75,000 pounds of large ordnance, including nuclear warheads. This jet is unmatched in its ability to go anywhere on the globe and carry out any mission needed. It's used anywhere on the planet to meet evil. It can tar target large scales up to like square miles down to pinpointing an area in a room. That's how great its weapon system is. In fact, the B-1 is so fearsome among our enemies. There's been many times where our military men and women have been pinned down and they'll just fly that thing over and you hear those four roaring engines going over and all of a sudden the enemy dissipates. It's strange. 
This is a sound that I'll get to hear very soon as I'm going to visit them, hopefully, around the 4th of July. It's really awesome. I'll, I'll be sitting there because they live on base maybe uh, about a, quor a quarter to a half mile from the flight line. And we'll be, we'll be sitting in the house and all of a sudden you'll just hear that rumbling. And I'm like, I know what's coming. And like a kid on Christmas morning, I'll bust out the back door because I know that thing's about to take off and it'll bank right over the back of their house. And I'll be outside going, Woo! America! So good thing that thing's loud because I'm sure my daughter's embarrassed. She's like, Dad, come inside. It's like the third one today. So why am I talking about the B1 this morning? Am I just using this illustration time to talk about something cool I like? Yes. Guilty as charged. But the point is that the B1 is unmatched as a tool, a single tool of warfare. Its speed, its range, its weapon system, its targeting system is unmatched by any single tool. I am so glad that it's on our side. But as Christians, we are engaged in a different kind of warfare, a spiritual warfare. And we have access to someone, or I should say uh, something or someone, that is way more powerful than this single tool, this little plane. We have access to somebody, as Mike mentioned this morning, created an entire universe by the words of his mouth, so big we can't even count the stars in. God's power is literally unmatched. And that's why the title of today's sermon is Unmatched Power. We are God's children, and we are called to be his church. We must pray for his power and his wisdom if we're really going to be part of his plan, spreading the gospel and helping the world around us. A world right now that is being ravaged by sin. We must realize that we have an enemy. This enemy wants to divide us, wants to distract us, wants us to fail in our mission. He wants us to be filled with fear. He wants us to be defeated by our own sin in our lives. But God calls us to do his work. And he calls us to fight against this enemy. And he offers his power and his wisdom in this fight. I'm so glad that he's on our side. Amen? Let's dive into our text this morning. We're going to be in Colossians 1. Verses 9 through 14, follow along on the screen or read it on your phone, your Bible, however you want. Starting in verse 9, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of saints in light. 
He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. If we took these six verses and we condensed them down into one main idea, we would get this. We should pray for God's church. That's capital C. That means all of God's believers, all those churches. We should pray for God's church to possess his wisdom and power so that lives can be saved and changed forever. We, as a church body, as church leaders, as believers in Christ, must pray for his churches to have this power and wisdom. And why? It's so that we can see lives saved and changed forever. Let's break down these verses to see why that's true this morning. Let's start out in verse 9. We must pray for our church and other churches as well. Paul starts off, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Since the day Paul heard about this church, and, and as it's, it's gaining some success, he and other church leaders have not stopped praying for them. As Pastor Matt mentioned last week, uh, this church was not started by Paul, uh, but by a man named Epaphras, who was saved in Ephesus and had visited Paul in prison. In order for churches to be successful, Paul knew he wanted the, the Colossian church to be able to operate within God's will, wisdom, and power. In order for churches to be successful, we must submit all things to God in prayer. Amen? A church can't be successful for the gospel if it does not rely on God's wisdom, power, and understanding. Now, I'm not saying successful in the world's eyes. The world says a church is successful when it can fill a stadium. I will submit to you this morning, I think a church is successful when you see people's lives being changed. So why is this so important that we're filled with the knowledge and will of, of, of his spiritual wisdom? Well, first of all, it's hard to do God's will if you don't know God's will. Amen? Second, we must have his wisdom in order to carry out his will and be a healthy church. We have to know his will. We have to gain his wisdom so we know how to carry out his will to be a healthy church. I've seen many, many, many attempts to grow a church. I've been in many meetings in uh, church leadership um, and, and, and even lay leadership where the question arises, okay, well, how do we grow this church? How do we get this church to grow? I've I think it's safe to say that I've learned this over the years. It's not our job to grow a church. It's our job as church leadership to preach and teach the gospel and make disciples. God will worry about how big he wants this church to be. It brings us to our first point. In order for our churches to be successful, we must constantly pray for God's will and wisdom. If we want to be successful in God's eyes, 
we must all together pray for God's will and wisdom for this church. Why is God's will and wisdom more important than anything? Because you notice Paul didn't say, oh, I'm, I'm going to pray for this church. I pray that they're showered with, you know, so much money. They don't know what to do with it. And so many people, they don't know where to put them. He didn't. He prayed for God's wisdom and will over all things. Let's look, look at verses 10 and 11. He prayed for God's wisdom and will so that we can walk worthy of God and that we can walk in his power. Starting in verse 10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Right there in verse 10, it says we need his knowledge and wisdom so that we can walk worthy of him in a way that, that pleases him. Listen, church, it's not about being perfect. You know why? I'm not worthy of God. I cannot walk in a way that is constantly worthy of such a God. But he's not really so concerned with how many rules we're able to follow. Some people think that the Bible is, is, a, is a book of do's and don'ts. It's not like that. Think of it this way. God wants his, his wisdom and his knowledge for us so that we can combat the sins in our life so that we can run our race free from obstacles. I once heard it put this way. We cannot run our race with the cement shoes of sin. When we have sin in our lives that, that is, is dragging us down, it's stopping us from being the people we're supposed to be in Christ. It's almost like literally trying to run a race with giant cement shoes on. We need God's knowledge and wisdom to bear, every, uh, to bear fruit in every good work. So it's God here we see that blesses our work and allows us to grow in knowledge of him. So putting these things together, we see that God wants us to walk worthy in him, not so we could follow a bunch of rules, but so that we could be successful in doing his work. Sin, unconfessed sin in our lives as Christians is very destructive. It's hurtful. It distracts us. And many times it keeps us from even seeking the will of God. You think about Adam and Eve in the garden. What's the first thing they did when they realized that they were sinners? God showed up and they hid from God. And what's funny is that as this happens in our lives, it's so easy for us to deal with this. All we have to do is confess our sin, turn from it, and ask God for forgiveness. And what's odd is that he does it every single time. He forgives us and he restores us. It reminds me that I need to do that way more than I am. Look at it, verse 11. But then it says, now you should walk worthy of him and bear every good fruit. But this is where it gets really awesome. 
He wants us to be strengthened by the power of God according to his glorious might. Think about that. How powerful is God? He wants us to be strengthened by his power according to his glorious might. Think about what we were just saying before. He spoke a universe in creation so big we can't even count the stars in. Let's just, think of, let's just uh, talk about one little star in that entire universe, our sun. I know we haven't seen it in a couple of days. We probably forget what it looks like. But our sun is a star, in case you didn't know that. And it's kind of a puny star in our solar system. I was reading this one article, and it was, con it was uh, comparing the size of the Earth to a golf ball. And it said, just for scale, you could see this, the size of the earth is like a golf ball. Our sun would be like two school buses stacked on top of each other, and you could fill the, those buses with those golf balls. So, so per volume, it gives you an idea how big our sun is compared to our earth. Golf ball, two buses stacked on top of each other. I don't know why they use that. It's kind of weird, but that's what it is. There's a star out there called Canis Majoris, basically means the big dog, that if Earth was the size of a golf ball, it is the size of Mount Everest. That is a lot of energy. But let's go back to our little puny star that, 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 that we have, the one that makes Pastor Matt Pink and me brown, that one. Its energy output is like two billion, with a B, two billion nuclear bombs going off every second. Think about that power. Two billion nuclear warheads going off every second. That is the power contained in that puny little star that heats our planet. What kind of God do we serve? Because that star and the rest of those stars were created by him and are sustained by his power at his will. And the minute he deems them useless, they're gone. What kind of God do we serve? Church, what do we have to fear? What can we not come together and accomplish in his name? And then there's even more. We have that might. That, that power according to his glorious might. Why? Because he wants to give us endurance and patience with joy. The work of the church is hard sometimes. Being a Christian in this world right now is hard sometimes. We have to do a lot of things that are really hard. But God offers us his power and his wisdom so that we can take on this hard work and do it with joy. I love doing the work of the church. It does actually bring me joy. The world can't understand that. Why would you want to do that? Why would you go through all that trouble? You know, why are you giving up your, your weekends to study so you could preach every once in a while? I mean, you're already working 40, 50 hours a week. Why are you doing this? 
because this brings my heart joy that I get to be a part of the work of God. So why are these things all important? Walking worthy, bearing fruit, being strengthened. Here's the so what. Because we get to see people's lives changed forever. That's why it brings me joy. I get to see God touch people's lives and change them forever. Get to see people walk away from alcohol and drug addiction. I get to see marriages healed. I get to see families being brought back together. And most importantly, I get to see eternal destinations change from eternal punishment to eternal bliss with our Father in heaven. What could be more important than that? It brings us to our second point. In order to see lives miraculously changed, we must be growing in God's wisdom and power every day. Unless we're growing in God's wisdom and power every day, we're not going to see those miraculous things happen around us. And it reminds us of our main idea. We should pray for God's church to possess his wisdom and power so that we can see, we can, lives can be saved and changed forever. So this wisdom and power is so that we can see lives saved and changed forever. That is the so what. That is why we're here. And how is this done? Well, Paul wraps it up in these last three verses. Because there is no other way apart from Jesus Christ. The one that can forgive our sins and the one that can grant us this wisdom and power. And when does he do this? When we become his children. Now, I know it's not very popular to say these days that not everybody's God's child. Everybody on this planet is God's creation. And they are created in his image, but not everybody is God's child. You look at the first two chapters of Ephesians, and it talks about how we become objects of God's wrath. We are, or we are objects, objects of God's wrath, but because he's love, he loves us and because of his grace and mercy, we can become his children. Think about that as we cover these last three verses. Look at verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Verse 12 right there. We get to take part in doing the work of the church only because God has qualified us to share in his inheritance. The moment you and I believed in Jesus Christ and we put our faith into him for our salvation, we became qualified to receive these gifts. Not before. We became qualified as his children to receive this inheritance. It also says that he did this by transferring us from the domain of darkness 
and to the kingdom of his beloved son. What is the domain of darkness? It's kind of a, of, of a strange term. Think of it this way. The world, the unsaved, unbelieving world around us is in a domain of darkness. They are hopelessly lost in their own sin and they have no way out. But when we believe and we put our faith in who Christ is, we are ushered into the kingdom of his beloved son. We are made right and he gave us the right to be called his child, much like an adoption. Very simple illustration. And how is this all possible? The gospel. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, and we, because we place our faith in him, we now have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We have to understand this transaction. We have to understand how we went from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. How when we believed we were made right, Jesus took our sin, gave us his righteousness, and now we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's awesome, y'all. That's good news. Amen? We should be grateful for this and obedient to what he calls us to do. Isn't that just the proper response? We thank God who made it possible for us to even know him and share in, in his inheritance. He has made it possible for us to come out of this domain of darkness into the kingdom of light. The only way, be clear about this this morning, for us to enter in that kingdom is by placing our faith in Jesus' death burial, and resurrection. Think of it, faith in Christ as, as a parachute. Like before Mike, when he was Army Airborne, before he left that plane, he made sure that he had that parachute on. He put his faith and his trust in that parachute to get him safely to the ground. Well, mostly safely. That is your faith in Christ. You put it on and you believe in it to safely get you to heaven. Brings us to our third and final point. God has made a way for us to become children of light and has promised to empower us to do his will. He has made a way for us to become his children. And why? It's so he can empower us to do his will. This point right here should completely destroy the notion or the idea that we can work for our salvation. Or that anything we accomplish, accomplish in the church for God is because of us. It should completely destroy that notion. God saves, God empowers us to do his work, and he calls us to do his will. We become his children, we receive his power and his wisdom. It's as simple as that. So as Mike comes up and we get ready to cl close, I want us to just go over these points really quick and just think of God's unmatched power. We have a God, we serve a God 
whose power is literally unmatched. It is like unlike anything that we could possibly even imagine. Remember our first point. In order for our churches to be successful, we must constantly pray for God's will and wisdom. There is a power in walking in the wisdom and will of God. I want to be a church that doesn't just try to grow, but that makes disciples and spreads the good news of the gospel according to God's will and wisdom. Amen? So let me ask you, church, are you personally praying for God's will and wisdom for your life? And are you praying for God's will and wisdom for your church, for your church leaders? Because I can tell you, if you're not, we're all in big trouble. Next, we learn, in order to see lives miraculously changed, we must be growing in God's wisdom and power every single day. I want to be a church where miracles happen. And I'm not talking about sensational miracles, you know, where you know, there's healings all the time. And I'm not saying that that's not possible. Those things do take place. But I think there's a miracle that's just as awesome. And it happens all the time. And that's the miracle of a changed life. When you get to see someone come to faith in Christ and God gives them a new heart and he makes them a new creation, that is a miracle. There is nothing more miraculous than a life changed. It's not about trying harder. It's not about beating yourself up when you fail. It's not about any of those things. It's about placing your faith in Christ and allowing him to make you a new creation. And again, that's where we see marriages and families restored. We get to see people walk away from addiction. We cannot do these things without the power and wisdom of God. Third, our third point was the answer. God has made a way for us to become children of light and has promised to empower us to do his will. As I read that, as I was studying for that this week, I couldn't help to think this thought. God did not send his son to die on a cross so we can come here and hear a silly little sermon this morning and then go out and spend the rest of our week like this all doesn't matter. Church, first of all, have you become a child in the kingdom of Christ? Have you done that? That's why, as Pastor Matt said in the beginning, we're all about know, grow, go. It's not a cute little catchphrase that we like to just throw up. We want to truly know God. We want to know that we're saved, that we're, we are his children. We want to grow in his wisdom and knowledge daily, and then we want to go and spread the good news of the gospel so others may know. That is what we are about. If you are a child of God this morning, let me ask you this. What are you doing with the unmatched wisdom and power that's available to you? And just like the old saying goes, as I'm pointing at you, 
guys, I have all these fingers pointing back at me. What are we doing with the unmatched power and wisdom that is available to us? We remember our, our main idea. Hopefully we're at least doing this. We should pray for God's church to possess his wisdom and power so that lives can be saved and changed forever. Let's pray. Lord, please give us your wisdom and power. Help us to do your work with joy so that others may become your children and know your love. If there's even someone here today that doesn't know that you're their savior, they don't know if they're a child of your kingdom, I pray they may seek you and find forgiveness and be added to your kingdom today. We love you and we praise you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email connect at villasgrace.com.